Hello and welcome to the West Road and Wesley Community Church Listen Again podcast. We are delighted that you're joining us. Our prayer is that what you hear today encourages you and builds your faith. So today we're continuing uh, the series. It's titled I Will Follow and subtitled The Community Who Follows. The reading is from Acts chapter 6. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So, I will follow. You would imagine that the phrase, I will follow, would turn up a lot of times in Scripture. In fact, it's only there four times. Once in Psalm 119, I will follow your laws, and then on, well, three reports of two occasions when people came to Jesus and said, I will follow you wherever you go. It's interesting that Jesus' response was not altogether enthusiastic. Well, it had a cautionary note in it. Jesus replied like this. He said, foxes have layers, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, Jesus was saying to them, you know, it's relatively easy to say, I will follow you wherever you go, but the reality might not be what you're expecting. Jesus always is realistic. And when we set out after him, he warns us the road will sometimes be tough. This series is about discipleship. And the word discipleship and the word discipline come from the same root. And we're not so keen on things that require a lot of discipline. So the second thing that I thought about just as part of the introduction, was the relationship between the title of this series, I Will Follow, and the subtitle, The Community Who Follows. What's the relationship between the two? In Western society, we are very individualistic. We think about ourselves first. But I will follow and we will follow. How do the two go together? Well, it struck me that in this way, if you've got a lot of different people who are all going, uh, following different things, they'll be going off in different directions. But if all these people are following the same thing or the same person, then they're going to be going the same way. One of the greatest things that we can do in terms of supporting 
church unity and the unity of our fellowship is to make sure that we are following Jesus. That we are obedient to his word and listening to his spirit. Because if everybody does that, then we will all be going the same way because we're all following the same Lord. So church unity is dependent on how closely I'm following Jesus. So this chapter begins in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Uh, Hellenistic means Greek and Hebraic means Jewish. This church included Christians with different cultures, different traditions and different backgrounds. The Jewish background Christians tended to think of the Greek ones as a bit compromised and worldly, and the Greek background Christians tended to think of the Jewish ones as a bit stuffy and traditional. That's a generalisation, but there's plenty of truth in it. Now, it's easy for us to just think about this verse in terms of the negative. There is some tension um, within this church community, a little bit of a dispute But don't see this is only negative. I can see lots of things that are very positive. For a start, in verse 1, we're told that the church was growing. Well, that's a good thing. We're not only told that the church was growing in terms of numbers, we're told that the church was growing in terms of disciples. They weren't just people who were turning up. They were people who were really getting involved in following Jesus. And then the third positive thing I can see here is that the church is bridging cultural boundaries. It was holding together these disparate groups. They weren't splitting off into separate congregations. Um, They were holding together. We also see that the church is involved in practical social action. There is this distribution of food. It's a daily distribution of food. The church is intimately involved in the society in which uh, it lives. And the church is targeting its help towards the most vulnerable and needy, towards the widows. So there's lots of positive things here, as well as this little bit of dispute. It's interesting that this social action um, was always an emphasis in the early church. The church that I was brought up in, a little Baptist church down in the West Country, Um, really wasn't in favour of the church getting involved in social action at all. That was seen as a diversion and a dilution of its ministry. The ministry was preaching the word of God and nothing else. But if you look at the scriptures, you find that the early church, um, from the very beginning, was involved in social action and meeting the needs of its community and showing Jesus' love in practical ways. In Acts 2, the little passage that is often kind of picked out, especially in Brethren churches, almost as a a, a description of the perfect church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, you know, Acts 2.42, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Um, The bit in the middle says this, they gave their possessions to everyone who had need. It wasn't just people within the church who had need that they were ministering to, it was those outside the church also. And this emphasis on social action and practical ministry in the activity of the early church was itself a reflection of the ministry of Jesus. Do you remember the 
description that Peter gives in Acts 10 when he's explaining Jesus to people who haven't heard of him. He says, Jesus went about doing good. That's how he describes Jesus. Jesus went about doing good. If we are following Jesus, then we should be described as people who go about doing good. And our church should be a church that is known for doing good. If you go out onto the streets and ask people which denomination of the Christian church um, they think the most of, the answer is almost always the Salvation Army. And that's because the Salvation Army is seen as a church that gets things done. That isn't just uh, words, it is action. In fact, their tagline is belief in action. And if you look at their website, um, you can see some of their priorities. Look, budget and debt advice, homelessness, and our faith. So that balance there is appealing when it is done out of genuine love for people. So how did the early church respond to this uh, bit of friction? Well, it responded very well. We see what happens as the story goes on. Verse 2, so the twelve, that's the apostles, gathered all the disciples together and said, so the first thing they do is get everybody involved. This isn't brushed under the carpet. This isn't dealt with in some back room. It is very public and very transparent. They begin by restating their primary objectives. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Now, it's always important whenever there is uh, tension within the church that so we go back to say, what is it we're really about? What is it that's the most important thing? Because it's easy in disputes to let little things become big things and lose sight of the things that really are big things. Some people read this passage and think it reads as though the apostles thought that waiting on tables was a bit beneath them. I'm sure it's not that at all. I'm sure the apostles took their turn in the practical life of the church. But their calling and their ministry was to be preachers and teachers of the word of God. And each of us has a responsibility to find out uh, our calling and our gifting and then operate mostly in those areas because that's where we will be most effective. If you're not sure what your gifts and ministry are, ask yourself, what am I passionate about? What am I good at? And what do I, what do I enjoy? Because those things are usually very good clues to how God has gifted and called you. So the apostles called everyone together. Notice that they called the brothers and the sisters. Women didn't get the vote in the UK until 1918. And then they had to be 30 years old in order to vote. Those 29-year-old women, they can't be relied upon. But it's the brothers and the sisters involved in this decision in the early church. And the apostles say, Choose seven from among you who are known to be full of wisdom and the Spirit. This is a perfect blend between leading and genuinely involving everyone else. The apostles didn't come with a, a blank piece of paper and say, What should we do? They came with a proposal. They came and said, uh, we need people who are full of the spirit and full of wisdom, but you choose them. They gave genuine responsibility to the congregation. Have you ever thought about why it was seven? I think it's because it was for the daily distribution of food. 
How many days in a week? Seven. So, seven people. Stephen, you're Monday. I think that's how it went. And the Apostle said, we will turn this responsibility over to them. You see, the Apostles aren't trying to hold on to every scrap of authority they've got. Good leaders are always looking to involve other people and pass off parts of their job to other people because it gives them an opportunity to grow. The solution here is creative, it's innovative, it's new, it's flexible. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus, this is generally thought of as the start of deacons. The whole um, you know, idea of deacons is originating in this passage. And Jesus, when he instigated the church, never mentioned deacons. He never said a word about them. But he gives us the principles of scripture. He gives us brains. And God gives us the flexibility to enact the mission which he has given us in different times and places and cultures and situations in a way which is effective. But he gives us the flexibility to do it. We don't know how this group reached this decision. It just says, tantalizingly, this proposal seemed good to the whole group. We don't know if they voted. We don't know how they decided. And there are all kinds of different uh, ways of trying to organize church and make decisions. And I think the Bible is particularly and deliberately unspecific, because at different times and in different cultures, different systems work the best. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, and uh, from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. The names of these deacons are almost all Greek form names, which means that they were from the Greek part of the church community. Do you see how wise this is? The complaint was that the Greek widows were being overlooked. So wisely, the composition of this new group to oversee the, the distribution was predominantly Greek. Just plain, practical, sensible wisdom. So I'm kind of summing up now with a few thoughts. I Will Follow is the series of our title. And remember that Jesus warns us that it will not always be an easy path. I will follow you wherever you go. It's easy to say when we're in church with loads of people and singing the jingoistic songs of the kingdom. Not so easy on a Monday. And Jesus spells it out that it will sometimes be a tough road. Second thing, that the best thing I can do for church unity is to make sure that I am following Jesus and keeping in step with his spirit. Because if we all do that, then we'll all be pulling in the same direction. There is a dispute in this passage. There is some tension. That's really no surprise. That happens, especially when the situation is changing, especially when there is growth. These are the problems of an active church, and they're good problems to have. So we meet new problems by consultation, by keeping sight of our bigger vision, by valuing wisdom and spirituality, by involving many in the decisions and in the work, and by innovative, creative, adaptable and flexible solutions. Did you notice that there's a word that occurs in verse 1 and verse 7, the beginning and end of our passage? It's the word increasing. 
in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. And then again in verse 7, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. These words are deliberate repetition. It's almost like a pair of brackets around this story. This story is, is kind of like a bit of a diversion. And then we come back in verse 7 to the main arc of the story, which has not been deflected. Also in the Greek, but not in our NIV translation, is the word continued in verse 7. A better translation would be, and so the word of God spread and the number of disciples continued increasing. In other words, this little dispute that we've looked at in these verses could have derailed the church. It could have hindered the spread of the word and stunted the church growth. But because it was handled well, none of those things happened. And so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Let's pray as we follow Jesus individually and as we follow Jesus as a community, let's pray that the growing pains and inevitable tensions that arise in any church, that in all of them, we will show the flexibility, the understanding, the patience, the wisdom, and the spirituality that we see modeled in these verses. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So check us out on social media at West Road Church BSE or go to our website www.westroadchurch.org.uk. Thanks for listening and have a great day.